Kia ora koutou and welcome to Tahuhu Korero, a podcast and blog that shares the history work of students and staff at the University of Auckland and the aim of improving the accessibility and inclusivity of the study of history. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Michaela Salway and today we are talking about a subject that took me many years to learn about. And for that, we're joined by two awesome people that I have the privilege of working alongside at the university, whether it's studying or working in other areas. But I think they have a lot of wisdom, so this will be something really cool to talk about with them. First up is the Vice President of the History Society, Rebecca Tang. How are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah? Thank you. Cool. What do you do? Can you introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Uh, so hello everyone, my name is Rebecca. Um, I am a law and art student majoring in history and film, television, media studies. Uh, I think for satirical purposes I'm going to refer to myself as a mature student in undergrad <laughs> because I'm heading into my fourth year of study. <laughs> yeah, the thing about conjoint degrees is that it makes you feel like you're never going to graduate. Um, I have two papers left in the history portion of my degree, so I will be taking a paper about Mao and a paper about Hitler this year, which I'm very excited about. And as for my hobbies, um, when I'm not doing anything work or uni related, I enjoy anything that makes me relax or forget about the real world a little bit. So anything All the assignments from, that you have to yeah, do. <laughs> yeah, so anything that helps me escape, basically. So. Movies, drawing, listening to music, I really like. Cool, thank you. Um, and then second up, we have Louise, who is kind of an interesting character in the terms of history. She <laughs> is somebody that I met through a history student, and she did history in undergrad. I mean, I'll let her talk to it a bit more. But she's <laughs> kind of wrangled her media-labeled degree into incorporating history. So I'll let you talk about that a bit more, but thank you for joining us, Louise. Hi, so yeah, um, as Michaela said, I'm Louise. I am literally two weeks away from handing in my (laughs) master's thesis in media, film and television, looking at the lasting legacy of Audrey Hepburn and Marilyn Monroe. Um, And as Michaela said, I did history throughout um, my undergrad. I purposely did a major minor so that I could do history as extra papers. Um, now if I'd go back, I probably would have actually done um, history as my minor instead of drama. Um, and I am mostly focused on American history. And that's kind of where my film and media and television and history merge because American history, you look at Hollywood and you've got all that sort of political stuff that meets together. So I can kind of, I like to see myself as kind of an interdisciplinary scholar where history, film and gender kind of all meet together. Cool. Super interesting. So we've got people from all different fields here at the moment. We've got a, an almost lawyer and then a media and then me doing medieval European when, history. When Rebecca said she was a mature student, I'm like, I'm on my sixth year here. Yeah. I win. I win. Oh. But can I just say, it's really rare finding someone who does media and history at the same time. And we have two of them today. And uh, we win. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cool. So thanks so much for joining us today. If you haven't already, go and check out our podcasts that are available on almost all of the normal podcasting platforms. We finally got it up on Apple after like two weeks of you have to do this random thing where you submit it and then they They have have to to approve it it and oh my gosh. They have to review it. Yeah. So we got it up on Spotify and SoundCloud and our website and everything and we finally got it up on Apple Podcasts. So if that's where you listen, definitely go and check out our other two podcasts. 
On that note, please go and check out our website, www.tahuhukorero.com, to see all of the blog posts that we've got up so far. Our co-editor, Katie Kamel, has done all of them so far, so she's done some incredible work with Waitangi, and she turned her dissertation about Ruth Ross into a blog post as well, which is super duper interesting. So definitely go and check that out. Now, on to today's podcast topic. This is something, yeah, like I said before, that it took me many, many years to finally figure out what I was doing. I'm definitely a hardworking student who likes to overachieve. And then when university starts, I realize that I haven't done any preparation whatsoever. I've made lots of really nice, pretty little title covers and everything, and I've colored them in, and I've bought highlighters and fancy colored pens. And then I realized that I haven't done any of the readings, haven't prepared myself in any way, haven't read the course guide. Um, So basically what we're talking about today is prepping for uni after you've had a big long holiday, whether it's you've had a two week break or you've been working and you're getting back into university or if you're from school and you don't actually know what it's like transitioning from school into university. This is kind of just going to be an all round how we have learned over the past four, five, six years to actually get back into study, how we take some notes, we might talk about that as well, and how to stay focused, because I know that the hardest thing to do after the holidays is actually focus yourself on readings instead of watching Netflix or anything like that. So that's definitely something that we'll be talking about. So what I might do is, let's start with this first question, and then we'll kind of just see how it goes after that. Do you mentally have to prepare yourself for uni? I do. Personally, like this past year, is I had to because I only took Christmas off because right. obviously with due date. So I went back to uni the 3rd of January this year. So that's a big mental kind of preparation because mm. everyone else is at the beach or on holiday oh and I'm gosh. back at the library. Of, I, so there was many Instagram stories yep. of me um, <laughs> complaining about my life. But it's kind of and it kind of took me that first day back to actually get back into the swing of things of being Mm -hmm. like this is my routine this is how you write a paragraph oh my god it's those things because I still remember is going back into primary school and forgetting how to hold a pen sometimes like that first day back pencil and so it's that same thing you got to kind of give yourself that first day to be like okay this is how things work this is how I get myself back into the because, swing of things. Yeah. I had kind of been doing little bits of work over the Christmas holiday, but that was my first day being like, I am sitting here for a whole day. This is what I'm doing. Really disciplining yourself, I yeah. guess. Hey? Yeah, I really struggled with that last year in honours. The way that they do honours in history is you have a full year, basically. So instead of doing in some other courses, they do, like, it's semesterly, and then you have that break in the middle. They do year-long courses, which means that little, like, five, six-week break in the middle when people have exams and then go away for three weeks. We were working that whole time on our dissertation and just really telling myself that I have to focus myself when every single other person that I follow on Instagram is in Europe taking incredible photos with, I don't know, like, Buckingham Palace and all that. I swear everyone I knew went to Europe. And I was sitting there being like, and I have to write, like almost my entire dissertation. I think that's why we worked worked really well together last year because I worked all the way through the holidays. I didn't even know what weeks we were at uni because I was just kind of working on my own schedule. And I was like, oh, it's mid-semester break? Cool. (laughs) (laughs) That was basically the same for me this year as well because I was one of those people who went to Europe. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, But I 
came straight back and went into summer school mm. and that was a shift from just being in full holiday mode yeah and then going into class sitting there for two hours straight trying to concentrate yeah i think it took me actually a good week to actually get into the swing mm. of things totally yeah i guess with summer school as well because it's so much more intense yes. you don't have like the 12 weeks it's kind yeah. of all condensed yeah. and it's hot and it's like oh that's what gosh. i've been struggling with is kind of all i want to do is nap yeah. Because the heat, like, I have a little mini fan in my office, but it's, like, those sort of things where you're like, I just want to be by... I haven't been to the beach once this summer. <laughs> I've been twice, that's it. <laughs> I haven't been once because I was like, I guess I could take my laptop to the yeah. beach. <laughs> Not as fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And especially since you haven't been sitting down and concentrating yeah. for that long, yeah. for a long period of time, coming back into the grind is quite difficult sometimes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So do you guys have any specific things that you do to shift from the summer holiday mindset to an academic one? For me, what? Because usually I deal with stuff with denial, yeah. which is an unhealthy way to deal with anything. But um, for classes... I sometimes, you know how lecturers post up a course guide yeah. or like an outline onto Canvas? Sometimes I just read through that maybe like the day before, two days mm. before lectures start to sort of, you know, let reality sit into place yeah. uh, and just get an idea of what I would be expecting. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to think. I just think it's going in knowing what you have to do so yeah. like for us we're writing so it's <clears> more of a okay so today I'm going to work on these two paragraphs mm, I'm going to totally. work on that was kind of my game plan and I still do that in my last couple of weeks I'm very much into my game plan yeah so I was like okay so if I can get these two paragraphs done even if they're I, awful paragraphs yes, like at least exactly. it's a draft I have something done and I feel like I achieved something. yeah uh, setting yourself goals and achievable goals I yeah. think is really important so like I was like okay I'm gonna do these two paragraphs today I'm gonna do this research tomorrow yeah. and that means I've felt like I've had a productive day and I've achieved something yeah and I think um because I was listening to this podcast end of last year and they were saying that one of the like the hardest things to do is write that first sentence so if you write yeah. an awful first sentence at least least it gets the ball rolling. I'm totally the same. I'm such a structure person. I have to have some sort of guidelines of how I'm going to do it. Otherwise, I'm going to sit there and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I panic and then I do nothing and waste an entire uh -huh. day. So I often structure things hourly. So I'll go like an hour of doing something and then an hour break and then an hour of doing something mm -hmm. just to give me like the ease in and then I'll eventually go to like a nine to five day or yeah. something like that. And try and structure it like that. I think the biggest thing that I found is allowing yourself the breaks, especially at the beginning because you don't have a huge workload is being like, you know, I'm actually going to study, I'm going to do the readings, especially with history, there's so many readings. I'm going to do the readings, but then I'm actually going to give myself the afternoon off so that you don't go from full holiday mode to full academic mode and then you crash in the second or third week, which mm. is kind of the worst time to crash, I guess, because yeah. when all the assignments are actually starting. So yeah, I think that's definitely what I have to do, is kind of build some structure into it. One thing, especially talking back to the, the course guide thing, at least for my papers, they always came out like three or four weeks in advance and I'd go through, like print out the course guides, one of the only things that I'd print out and highlight all the dates for the, the exams or the essays or anything like that so that when I was flipping through the course guide in later weeks, it was the thing that stood out yeah. and then I'd put it into my calendar right at the beginning so that no matter what I did, because I, I always have my calendar open, I'd always see it coming up so that I didn't be like, oh, I've got like three or four weeks until an assignment's due, I'll just chill or whatever. I'll be like, no, okay, so... We've got the readings for already, even though I don't really know what the essay is about, I might as well just start doing the readings casually and, and leisurely and everything. But it's, it's getting yourself into the mindset mm. of, I actually do have due dates coming up and not yeah. stressing about it, but just getting on with it. Being aware. Yeah, totally. 
Um, so I guess we're still kind of in that first couple of weeks time where we've kind of just stopped holiday and we're getting into university a bit more. Is there anything that you guys specifically do or buy to prep for university? So I'm thinking along the lines of do you buy books? Do you get programs for your laptop? Like how do you take notes or prepare for taking notes and that kind of thing at the beginning of uni? I'm a big proponent of a diary. Regardless, whatever diary you want, I've done bullet journaling, I've done proper like um, plum paper planner, Eric Condren, like um, sticker planning. I'm just onto a normal kind of diary at the moment. And I color code everything. Mm. So I color code in my phone calendar, my computer calendar, and on my diary. So every class gets a different color. Mm. So then I can put all of the whatever I have to do for that class, whether it's a reading, a due date, those sort of things. So kind of so I can have every class has their own little spot. Yeah. So I can go, okay, what have I got for media 100 today? Boom. And I am a big proponent of typing my notes, but that's also because I have dyslexia, so my handwriting is terrible, and having folders for each class mm. so that I can track exactly where each reading is for each class or where each course guide is or whatever. Mm. So those are kind of my prep things. Yeah, I do things quite similarly as well, but other than I don't really have a physical diary that I use, I, that does, just didn't work for me yeah. <laughs> based on past experience. So what It's I another thing to carry to university. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I used it for like a month and then I failed. Yeah. It's a bit like writing in your journal consistently, it didn't work for me, but it's fine if it works for you, it's a good yeah. system. But for me what I do is I make a, it's basically an extended monthly calendar on mm. Word, so it, it's just basically the start of the semester and then to the end of semester. Yeah. And it's just like a whole calendar that sets out the whole time you'll be doing a course. And I will just pencil in all the times that like assignments are due mm. or when I have to get readings done. And if it visibly shows that there are two assignments that are due at the same time, I will know that I need to start one totally. earlier than usual. Yeah. Yeah. So it gets me to, you know, sort of panic a bit. Yeah. And just by seeing it try all visually. I try and do a, like, a, if I, like a week before note in my diary, like this is a one week until this yeah. assignment's due, so that if I haven't done anything, which <laughs> mm. hopefully I have, um, I've kind of got that wake up call, be like, okay, I have a week. Yeah. Like, let's. I've even like, because I know with a lot of the history papers, the final essays at the end of the second term seem to link up a lot and they always end up on the same day, if mm -hmm. not really close together. So one thing that I ended up doing was shifting all of the due dates like three days early in my diary and then I forget about it by the time that it gets to the end of term. But it means that I definitely have at least three days before it's due, I finished it because that's what I've mm -hmm. written it in, three days to work on something else that's due or to proofread it and that kind of thing. It's just kind of making yourself a little bit more organized yeah. earlier on. Just going back to the notes thing, one thing that I've, like, I feel like I've literally dabbled in everything. I started university religiously writing notes. I hated the idea of taking notes on a laptop, but then I realized that if you take notes on a laptop, you can do control F. And if you're doing a quiz or something online or anything, like you've, you've actually got the accessibility yeah. to control F. So I've done certain things where I'll write the notes because I find that I remember it a lot better if I'm physically taking the notes. And I'm also somebody who overwrites things. So if I'm taking notes on my laptop, I literally write down almost everything the lecturer is saying. Whereas a lot of lecturers have said that one of the best parts of processing and learning the information is when you don't take out everything, you take out the things that stick with you. Yeah, or paraphrasing. Exactly. Whereas when I take notes on the computer, I just sit there and literally put it down word for word, which I guess is helpful for later on, but it means that I don't process it and then I have to go back and reread everything. So the, the other thing that I do is writing notes 
on a piece of paper and then I go through and transfer it to my laptop afterwards, the yeah. things that are kind of important. Yeah, I had friends who did that in, um, during uni too. Yeah, and things like Google Drive, like you have it everywhere, you yeah. don't have to bring a laptop to university some days, like it's accessible everywhere. Yeah. I kind of had that evolution too, I actually started off uni with an iPad and keyboard, Yeah. and quickly, I did that for the whole first semester and halfway through second semester realised that actually I preferred a laptop, even though it was heavier to bring and all yeah. these things because I was also coming in early and working like doing essays and stuff and it's a lot harder to be writing an essay on an iPad yep. because you can't open tabs to check things and totally. do stuff like that and also I just found that you could have the PowerPoint if, um, obviously oh, like totally. media and stuff like that they often upload a PowerPoint early so you can look at it while you're taking notes in class so having the PowerPoint up on one screen because then if there's a word that I miss I can copy and paste it yep. or do all these different things that it's a lot easier um, to have if I can do kind of multi-screens. Yeah, I knew somebody who took notes in the notes section on PowerPoint yeah, as well, so it's like linked to the specific slide and everything, which yeah. is a really smart way of doing it. I think either way has... Yeah, has I guess you've just got to figure out how you learn yeah. best. Yeah, because yeah, there's people I know who note-taking is just better for them, but I, you know, as I said personally, I can't read my notes back, so mm. there's no point me taking notes yeah. if I can't understand them. It's not good. That's going to be detrimental to me. No, yeah, I tried both ways as well. Um, in my first year, when I was doing Pacific history with Ryan Tucker Jones, RIP, he's left now. Oh. But, um, he insisted that we don't use laptops. Yeah. So essentially, all of us. Some of the lecturers do. Yeah. That. So in class, I just took notes by hand mm. because he just thought we would learn better, and that worked yeah. really well as well. Mm. But then in the end, I still went back and took notes on my laptop, that's what I sort of always done. Yeah. And I use the app Microsoft OneNote. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. that's very handy because you can make a text box anywhere you want on the page. You can also, can't you group it by like classes? Yeah, that's what I, I think it's called like a, a class, like a, le it's almost like, it's called lecture something I think, and so you can like t have the one and just do like lecture one, lecture two, lecture yeah. three, so you can then go it's through. Like, folded yeah. for you. <laughs> I li and I like to put things in bold and colour and yeah. kind of, you know, be able to I'm such a visual things. person. Everything yeah. has to be. I think that's another reason that I really liked note, notating stuff, like, because I did Spanish as my minor. And one of the grammar papers that I had to do, he'd draw on the whiteboard and arrows between everything, which you can't do on Word. Exactly. So for my Spanish papers, I generally hand wrote all of my notes so that I could do all the annotations mm. and stuff like that. But then with history, it's a lot more facts and it was less yeah. drawing. So I kind of changed it depending on yeah, my classes. Yeah, I did the same for like drama. I kind of didn't really take notes because it was, we were looking at scripts. So it's yeah. easier to write on the script yeah. Yeah. because you're talking about certain lines and stuff. So I think also when you're thinking about your note taking process, depending on your class yeah. as well. So like if you're taking, if you're engineering but you're taking a history general education, the way you take notes might be really different and totally. so you might have to consider that. Yeah. So those are different things to kind of think about. Also another good thing about electronic notes is if you have a friend that is away, you can oh just... Oh my gosh, or yeah. Or the other way as well, if you're sick, yeah. um, someone else can send them to you, which yeah. is always helpful. Help a friend out. <laughs> Is there anything that you guys have learned that definitely doesn't work for you guys in taking notes or preparing for university, like anything with history? Is there something specific that you know doesn't work for you guys? For me, I don't know if it applies for everyone, but I can't do the reading before class you know, starts. Oh, okay, because right. Because I overhype myself, I overthink yeah. <laughs> everything, so I need to go into that first lecture 
and I need to hear the lecture sort of simplify all the issues and yep. lay ideas for me. And I have that in my head. Mm-hmm. And I'll go back See, I, yeah. and go through the first reading. I'm kind of in the middle there. I try and if I'm booking, like doing my classes, I try and do my tutorial like a day after so mm. like so then I can go to the first lecture and then go home and do the reading and then go to the tutorial so I've got that like I've got all the knowledge yeah. that has happened and then I can go okay so now I can see what they're talking about and then I'm ready to yep. go into the tutorial overly preparing yourself to the point of like anxiety yeah. is something that I struggled with mm. a lot in first year is like being like I have this assignment and I have this assignment and I have this yeah. reading and oh my gosh because I did like classics in first semester of first year which is readings and plays and a lot of things yeah and so it's those sort of things where you're like I have so much to do and freaking yourself out where now I'm like okay I can break it down I can look at everything um as a whole and actually realize that there's not as much as I thought and that kind of I think is something that I'm glad I now know because first year Louise was so <laughs> terrified of everything. Yeah. Me too, me too. <laughs> yeah, I guess also um, one thing that I've found, and this changes depending on like the length of the reading or anything, but you really need to figure out if you're somebody who can read online or somebody who has to print out the readings, because especially with history department now switching to everything electronic yeah. because of copyright and like it's a yeah, huge long thing. Same. A lot of the readings are now online, and it's so much easier to leave it online than have to pay for printing every single week for these, like, 50-page readings. So I guess that's one thing that I really had to dabble with, is do I learn best and remember it best from reading it online? And then even then, like, reading it online and copy-pasting the quotes into a Word document or writing down Mm. the quotes, or do I just print it out and highlight it and annotate it? And, I mean, I never really found one that worked perfectly, but you just have to figure it out because otherwise I'm such a passive reader. I kind of zone out while I'm reading mm. and I've read a whole page but I don't remember anything exactly. about it. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of printing because I like to color code. Yeah. And then kind of figuring out the key ideas yeah. or like knowing, like obviously first year history often, I don't know, global history gives you like kind of key questions to kind of think totally. about as you're doing the reading so yeah. color coding each question so then when you go through yeah. and this is something I still do as a tutor we get for worksheets for media we do um, questions and so I will color code each question and then as yeah. I go through the reading so that when a student asks me a question I can pull up I know exactly what color I'm looking for exactly and so those are good especially if you're sitting in a tutorial and someone's like what's this you can be like boom it's green it's green I know the answer really easily I can tell you so, yeah. yeah totally Honestly, such a visual person here. (laughs) I also think as you get into uni, training yourself not to be as focused on the PowerPoint and focused on your own work Mm. as you're listening. Because I find, especially with someone like Paul, he has a lot of information coming at you and it's actually better just to sit there and type or write than look at what he's talking about on the PowerPoint because then it's kind of washing over you and you're actually understanding instead of being like trying to like distracted distracted by all the image where you're like okay talking about civil rights bloom it's something you kind of have to train yourself to do yeah and I only really learned kind of how to do that by third year Mm. but it's yeah I think something if you can figure out how or even typing and looking at the PowerPoint if you can do that but I found just kind of focusing on the words that were happening then like what was happening Mm. on screen was easier for me I think specifically if you have people like Lisa Bailey She's an absolutely so smart, but she talks really fast. And so when I was doing the Barbarians course, that's the, the course where I realized that if I type exactly what they're saying, I, nothing goes in because she was speaking so fast. Mm-hmm. I thought I had to know all of the information. And if you go through my notes for the Barbarians course, it's still on, on my laptop and I found them the other day and I was like, oh my gosh, like it's literally just... 
sentences upon sentences and I don't even remember half this stuff. So I guess I ended up switching to note taking by hand in her class and I just remembered things so much better because you're summarizing as you go. Yeah, some lecturers prefer to put things on PowerPoint with all of the information. Other lecturers just like to have a picture and then you kind of, they just speak off the picture. So it definitely changes with each paper. Yeah. But yeah, you really have to find what works best for you. And so I have to adapt to oh the Oh my teaching gosh, styles. every single different teaching style. Yeah. yeah. And class, as we just said, dependent on the subject you're taking as well. Everything's going to be slightly different. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So uh, my next question is, do you guys actually do any work before the semester starts? If so, how much? If not, why? And of course, this is going to, I think we might talk a bit about undergrad and then postgrad because there are definitely different factors yeah. that will change whether you do this or not. So let's just talk generally, I think, about undergrad if we can, and then we'll switch to postgrad afterwards. Undergrad, if I was prepping, I would always check Canvas mm. or Cecil as it was yep. back then. <laughs> Cecil. Canvas and kind of see what the information was on yeah. there. If it had, if the course was, guide was out already, I was saving mm. it into the folder, going through the dates, looking at the readings and kind of just getting a general idea of what the assignments were going to be for that. Yeah. I still remember I have a friend who actually was the course supervisor for our drama paper in my third year, and he, I saw him, and he was like, hey, Louise, so I can see how many people have been on Canvas. You've been on 14 times in the last <laughs> week. What are you doing? I was like, I was just really interested in what our That's assignments so were going to be. Yep. Because it kind of, especially if you're not sure about a class, going through and seeing what the assignments are, are going to like cement whether you want to swap it or yeah. whether you want want to stay where you oh, are totally yeah so yeah, yeah. I like I, I think I'm sure you agree that kind of getting yeah. a feel of also especially if you haven't used canvas before as well and kind of what everything's happening in that class is a good idea yeah, yeah I generally just do the exact same and another useful thing is some lecturers under the modules tab in canvas they'll set up all like the main topics for each yeah. week I just have a read through those have a general idea of what to expect yeah even like looking at kind of what the readings are going to be and just feeling like, oh cool like I like to hype myself up for a fizz of reading in a couple of weeks that I know I'm going to really enjoy yep. and so I'm like oh I can't wait for week four because there's going to be a reading that like yeah. is on gender that I'm super excited about so it's like looking forward to things as well yeah and then there's me who's like the complete opposite and is a total workaholic and doesn't really have a holiday because she gets super excited and starts doing all the readings like the week after Christmas uh, see for me prepping readings too early in advance doesn't work because then I forget everything. Yeah, that's true. Especially I did a lot of classes that required like reading responses and those sort of things. So you kind of have to base, We were, if we were being posed a question for that week, you can't really do the reading too early in advance till you yeah. know what the question's going to be. So it's, it doesn't really work. For yeah, me. same for me. Uh, I just overcomplicated it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I get way too excited. Like I remember the week after I handed in my dissertation for honours, I was like, I have nothing to do. Like I had this like, mid-year crisis so or whatever so, latin. so i started learning latin like a week <laughs> afterwards because i was like i have to do something really? and my husband's like oh you can like clean the house because we need a spring clean because we're still unpacking from moving and all this kind of stuff and i'm like i'm gonna learn latin <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm the kind of person who does a ridiculous amount of prep before university because i know that i'm someone who gets snowed under and has really bad time management if i don't organize myself well so i'll find like in a semester Often at the beginning of the second term is when I crash, is when I feel like I've had not enough time to do any of the readings. There's so many assignments. And so I've found that if I can start the readings earlier, it's one less thing to do throughout the term. So I think one of the semesters I started the readings and I did the whole first term before the term actually started. 
And yeah, I had to go back and refresh myself, but because of the way that I take notes where I summarize as I go and I'll write a little paragraph at the beginning mm-hmm. saying, these are the overall points and then I'll have my notes underneath, but it helps me remember it better. Like one thing that Marcia always said was, if you do have the time, which nobody ever had the time, go through and do the reading without having read the question first mm-hmm. so that you get your impression from it before you yeah. get what she's wanting you to look for. Mm-hmm. And then go read her question, see what you remember from your reading that might be related to that question, read it again, see if there's anything else. And nobody ever has time to do the reading twice unless you're not working, which I guess <laughs> maybe it's just because I worked all throughout my undergrad. But I never had time to do the reading twice. And so doing them before university kind of allowed me to go through and do the reading, have my own opinion on it, and then go through it with her lens of yeah. what her question was and everything. So, I mean, it definitely depends on if you're the kind of person who... Like, I didn't usually work much over the summer because I work for music school, which goes by school, school time. So it's, it's not on over Christmas. So it just gave me something to to do yeah. and that's yeah it's just how I, I work yeah, best I was just thinking when you were talking about kind of early preps that there are certain classes that that kind of stuff does work for like when mm. I took English classes and we had books to read oh and gosh. even history I know full there's certain books. classes that you have full books to read yeah um that actually do it starting those early is mm. actually more productive or for film watching films True. earlier I think especially because um in my final year I was super over-enthusiastic and took three history papers and one Spanish paper. And so with the, like, three history papers, because I had, like, two spare papers, I think, and I was going to do Spanish papers, but then they cancelled a whole bunch. So anyway, I I ended up doing three history papers and one Spanish paper. And history papers have so many readings. So I essentially had three papers full of readings that that I just had to start it early because otherwise I just wouldn't have got through it all. Yeah, I can understand that. So post-grad prep. So I think the first thing... Sorry, you're not going to be <laughs> really... <laughs> it's all right. You can learn. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can learn. Just in case. Um, so with I'm postgrad prep, side. I know that there's... You, you have to do work, essentially. I, I don't know what it's like, not in history, but w- with history, we have to hand in our dissertation proposal, if you're doing a dissertation in postgrad, by the 13th of February, which means that you have to do a whole bunch of research beforehand to, one, know what your topic is, and then also to be able to write a paragraph about what have people said about this, and that's due on February 13th, which means you have to do it all the way before term starts. Mm. Um, so there's definitely prep that you have to do. Is there anything in particular that you have to do um, for media or, like, well? Unlike history, media's dissertation is only done in the um, semester and a lot of our kind of work up to the full thing is done as assignments. So our right. research proposal is an assignment, our lit review is an assignment. However, one thing that um, a friend of mine who was doing, had done postgrad previously, uh, a tip that she gave me, and I think it's probably one of the best things, was once you know what classes you're taking or who your supervisor is, is to go and read some of the work they've written. Yeah. So... Um, so you can kind of get an idea of the topics and their interests and how they write as well mm. so that when you're going into a paper um, whether it's the post you know your overall dissertation or you know we have to take certain amount of you know point papers yeah. that you kind of understand where the topic of that general um, paper is going to go also how their writing style is and yeah. how they kind of work like that I think is a really good idea mm. because then you are aware and yeah, also just kind of prepping how, because postgrad is different in terms of how you're going to take notes, how you're going yeah. to do, organize your life because your schedule's a little bit more freer and those sort of things I think is also really important. Yeah, totally. For history, there's actually two due dates for the proposal. 
There's one in December, which I never submitted before. I think I only know one or two people who ever submitted for December. And then there's the February proposal as well. What I did, I know it's passed now, but for people, if you're looking at doing postgrad for next year or whatever, what I did is, is I set myself the date for December saying, I'm going to submit it by December. I never did, but it meant that I got stuff done. And it meant that I actually started thinking about my topic. Um, and I started thinking about what kind of readings I could do, start doing the historiography kind of about it. What have people said about this? Um, and then, yeah, like I had a primary source and I've always had one core primary source that I've used and I'll often read through sections of the primary source just to figure out like what do I actually want to look at and then found the historiography around that and then it's generally only in like late January that I actually write the proposal. Um, so that's one thing that I did to prepare for postgrad was actually setting in the dates for myself, think of it as a December due date so that I guess talking back to before, like how I'd always set things mm. earlier so that I'd actually get it done. Yeah. I set myself that December due date. Even though you know you're probably not going to hand it in, it actually gets the ball rolling. Mm. And as soon as you start thinking about a topic, that's when it becomes easier. Like I always find it's hardest to think about what you actually want to do when you've got nothing to start yeah. with. And Masters was the same. We had to submit our proposal in December. Yeah. So we hand in our last assignment for honours late October early November and yeah. then it was like okay Straight trying to think about it because you have to think about who your supervisor is that's yeah. another thing if you're considering postgrad particularly for history obviously there is a vast array of history topics to consider so you yeah. need to make sure you're looking at how your who is there someone in particular you really want to work with so how is your topic going to work in yeah. with what they kind of think about and what they work on because you don't want to be like I want to work with you but actually this is not an area of your expertise because that's not going <laughs> that's not going to work very well so yeah you just kind of I think there's a lot of prep not only with the proposal but actually thinking about how you want to go ahead yeah. and then also I started once I knew for honors what not my research because we don't get us we don't know really what we're doing but for my other paper I was taking a ubiquitous media paper so I went in and started researching key terms mm. because I was like I don't really know this topic very well so I went in I was nannying at the time so while the kids were playing I sat in my laptop and was kind of writing down all the different key terms yeah. that um, were related mm. to and going through a couple of key readings so I actually understood what the lecturer was going to be talking yeah. about once we started because it was not really my area of expertise yeah totally and I guess just um, going back to the whole supervisor thing there's kind of a, a bunch of different ways that you can go about doing this. I know some people in history who knew exactly what they wanted to study. They come across a topic in third year which they thought was just so incredibly interesting and they're like, cool, this is what I'm going to do for my dissertation next year. And then you just have to find a lecturer that covers that. So I guess if you're doing the medieval period, we've kind of got Lisa who does the early medieval period and then we've got Lindsay who does the later and we've got Kim and everyone kind of focuses some on gender, some on on nobility and it, it changes around so you can kind of tailor I'm just talking about that because I know medieval history <laughs> sorry but it, you can kind of tailor it if you already know your topic whereas if you're someone like me I was like I know I want to do honors I really like researching I have no idea what I'm going to research so I went to Lindsay and was like do you know anything that's interesting or I really liked like I did Spanish and I did um, history and I kind of want to combine the two and I remember you talking about in in the body and blood paper that there was this thing in medieval Spain and he's like cool okay well let's look at 
that law code then and and that's how I got to it was because I just I wanted to do Spanish oh. and I wanted to do history so I combined it <laughs> well that's how I ended up where I am yeah. because I at the end of honours after media honours kind of had a bit of a crisis where I was like I was history <laughs> and so I went to Jennifer Frost and said should I come back and do history like mm-hmm. I don't know what to do and she was like just take your historical mindset that you already have from taking these history papers, you know historical context, you know how to think like a historian, take it and apply it to media. And I was Mm. like, okay. And she was like, why don't you do a historical, like, bibliography, a biography kind of thing or, Mm. like, something maybe about Audrey because you love Audrey and kind of that got the ball rolling to where I ended up with now, which kind of takes gender and stardom and history and Marilyn Monroe and JFK and kind of all that sort of thing to like merge it together to create a thesis that I feel like kind of represents me quite well and kind of all the different aspects that I really enjoy and that's important so like you know and you just got to figure out where it is because you know thank goodness for Jennifer Frost for figuring out that actually and I I think that's the thing is that like I remember in undergrad I was terrified of the lectures because I thought that they were going to think that I was just some silly little undergrad who didn't know anything and but they're actually like they're so lovely and I know that sounds silly but they're so lovely and like having the confidence to go to them and be like you've worked in this field for the last 10 20 30 40 years you know so much more about this I don't know what I'm doing but I know I'm interested in it Mm -hmm. they can get the ball rolling yeah I think that's actually a really good note for anyone starting university um to build a good rapport with your lecturers particularly ones that you know that's the field or an interest that you really have um I had to kind of build that quite fast particularly in second and third year because I have dyslexia and because I had to kind of be open and yeah so we could find strategies and someone like Jennifer Frost was one of those people that really was like okay cool how do we want to do this yeah and because of that we've kind of built a really lovely friendship that was based on the fact that I took Hollywood uh, the history through Hollywood paper that she used to teach and kind of built a yeah. um, rapport from that that has really helped kind of yeah. build where I want to be in my academic career yeah and like I've even found I was in our honors year Paul and Jennifer took our compulsory paper mm-hmm. And after one of the classes, we all went out for, like, a social time just to be able to, like, be outside of the classroom and talk and everything. And I remember sitting there talking to Paul. And he was like, oh, yeah, I remember you from 108. And I was like, that was the first paper that I ever took at university. Like, how the heck do you remember? And he's like, oh, you always sat in the same place. (laughs) Well, yes, I am a creature of habit. I always sit in the front. The reason I continued taking history papers was because Jennifer Frost came in and did one lecture in our global yeah. history paper on Cobble that she wasn't even supposed to do. <laughs> she was filling in for someone, and I was like, you know, you see a lecturer and you're like, I really enjoy what they have to say, and so I just continued to take her papers. Yeah. That was kind of my theory, was like, I enjoy what she has to say. So, yeah. And that's kind of, that's how you discover things that you really enjoy. Yeah, Exactly. I guess a lot of people have this facade about lecturers being these grand old people and especially tutors. And like, I'm a tutor now and sitting there being like, I used to be terrified of my tutor. And not like terrified, but just the kind of like, they were this great person who'd done many years of study and must know everything. And now I'm sitting here being like, oh gosh, I hope my, the people in my tutorial don't ask me a question yeah, that I have no idea about. You don't want your tutor to th- or your lecturer to think you're dumb, which is really silly because there are no dumb questions. Yeah. And even that, like, they'll, they'll correct you if not, and then you've learned something. So I think, I mean, just even going on to specific tips that I wish I'd known when I'd started university was make use of your office hours. Yes, like, the yes. amount of essays that I got wrong because I misinterpreted the question. And then I had this one friend 
who she was coming back for university because she'd done an Asian studies degree and then wanted to come back and do a PG dip in history so that she could do that for teaching. Mm -hmm. And she was a stickler for going to the office hours. She always went to office hours and so I'd kind of tag along with her and like not really say anything at first and kind of just watch how she did it. I know that sounds Mm -hmm. silly. But just watch her how she did it. And my my grades went from Bs, B pluses up to like A's just because I'd actually answered the question properly and I'd talked with the lecturer. And not only that, but because you've talked to the lecturer who's marking it, they understand where you're coming from because you've explained it. Like if, if they're reading through like 50 essays, they're just reading through a whole bunch of more words. Whereas if you've gone to the office hour and actually like I'm not saying that explaining your idea will get you a higher grade. I'm just saying it helps you to to speak through it and helps you to kind of verbalize where you're coming from. And they can't say, yeah, that's a good idea, it'll get you an A. But they can be like, well, maybe you're misinterpreting the question and and what I actually meant was this. Yeah, as um, someone who has tutored already, um, I can say, please come to office hours. Yeah. I spend many hours alone and waiting for people to yep. show up. And also you can tell when marking essays, if someone's gone off the mark, you're like, if you don't, if you verbalize to yeah. me, this is what you were going to do, I could have told you, hang on a second, you're looking at it the wrong way, yeah. or, and those sort of things. And I think utilizing that, um, also I have had the instance that I have had tutors that have now become to, uh, one of my really good friends, mm. that she tutored me in um, third year, and now we are friends and we hang out, and because we just built her really, because I was going to her office hour almost every week to yeah. go over things, and we totally. realized we had a lot of things in common, and so eventually, now that I we actually tutored together last year, we kind of became very good friends. So it's yes, they're tutors, but remember they were in your position at one yeah. point. Yeah. So they kind of they do get what you're going through, guys. It's okay. Yeah. Actually, in my first year, I was too intimidated to go oh, see totally. my lecturers, so yeah. I went to see my tutors instead. Oh, fair yeah, enough. I never I, actually thought about that. Yeah, for some reason, I just felt yeah know, going to them and it, and it helped. But then now, I think especially for history, a lot of tutors are your lecturers, yeah. especially in your stage two and stage three yeah. papers. So yeah, I go to them and I found that I do significantly better yeah. when I go see my lecturers before I write my assignments. Absolutely. I, spe- I guess especially with second and third year papers because they're lectorials. Oh, is it lectorials? Lectorial. Yeah, lectorials now where you don't have, like in my undergrad, I think everything until my third year, and even then it was a couple of papers in my third year, you had like 15 to 30 people in a classroom for your tutorial and you could actually discuss things and if you had a question, you could ask the lecture, lecturer right there. Whereas now that we've got the lectorials, which are a bit bigger, like of course it's something that they just had to do and it works for some people. But I found with me, like, I felt really intimidated to ask specific questions about, like, oh, I don't really understand this part of the reading. Yeah. Going to the office hours where they're, I mean, technically, they have to go to an office hour. They have to be there for an hour. So they're either going to sit by themselves or you can come along <laughs> and spend the time with them. And I, I remember Lindsay used to have his, his office hours at a cafe so that he could at least sit there and drink a coffee while he was waiting for people, which is so smart. But I guess, yeah, like, use that time if you do have questions because it will help you understand the questions better or understand the content a whole bunch better. And kind of linking it back to prepping for uni, if you have questions about the course, email them. Yeah. Like, if I did l- that with Jonathan Scott with our 7-Eleven ticks and context paper <laughs> because I was like, it says here that we've got to do this assignment in the first term, but the first term is only six weeks and I have no idea how we're going to do that when the rest of the content that we're covering is actually in the second term. And he's like, I meant semester, sorry. But it's like, it's that would have completely thrown me. Like, like just yeah. ask the question. Or like, if you're like, oh, um, I was asking them if there's something you should be prepping for the yeah. first class or if you're, you know, about an assignment or 
Um, if you're unsure about taking the paper, maybe email and ask them a little bit more about it. Yeah. Or I still remember going into the first, you know, in first year where you can kind of go to different subjects and like in that first like orientation week and someone said, oh, classics, what should we should we be prepping? And she said, actually, you should read this chapter. And that was the best thing because it meant I was mm. actually going into the paper knowing... With an overview. A, an overview of classical kind of things. So I think, you know, the emails are there for a reason. Yeah. And I, as a tutor, actually appreciated the emails and that sort of thing mm. because it's people clarifying. Clarifying is totally okay. Yeah. If you just don't, you know, don't be rude about it, but just be like, hey. I know, don't understand I this. I don't understand <laughs> this. Or I just want to check <clears throat> about these assignments um, because I have something, you know, going on. Or, you know, even through the during the semester, if something happens, yeah. you know, be open. We've had, we had a couple of issues in our class where people things happened but they didn't tell us yeah and so it got to the end of the semester and we had to kind of rejig things to figure it out but if something happens or even if you're just overwhelmed go and see your lecturer yeah. or tutor because you can we can figure it out with you yeah and totally. it's totally okay like as I said dyslexia so I had to do all these things and so if I was like I don't know understand what's going on and this class I could go to my lecturer and be like hey I didn't really understand what you mentioned yeah. in this lecture can you please explain it to me yeah, it's totally. Fine. I also think like with the different assessment styles, some papers you'll have like a 180 character summary of the reading that you've done. Other people will want like a 500 word paragraph summarizing it. Some people don't have any of that and have other assessments. And so going and asking the lecturer, because if you don't understand it and if it's weighted, you might as well ask the question to save yourself a percentage. Yeah, and um, your friends will probably be real happy if you ask the question Exactly. Too. Like I remember with the... um. In a lot of the American history papers, they've introduced game assessment. So you basically, it's, it's called reacting to the past. And yeah, everyone gets a different character. And you basically almost reenact an historical event to see if it would turn out the same or what people would do. And you write speeches and all this kind of stuff. It is a brand new thing in history in the University of mm -hmm. Auckland. Like, nobody had ever done it before. And so I remember when I did my first one, I was panicking. I was like, how do I get assessed on recreating a character? Mm -hmm. And so me and my friend went and talked to Paul about it. We went to his office hour and we were like, I know that this is happening in, like, whole, like, two months or something, but can you please explain it to me? Because I'm freaking out that I'm not going to know what to do. Yeah. And he's like, it's totally subjective and, like, yeah. don't worry about it. But having that ease of mind of, okay... I kind of understand this a bit better now. It's fine. Like, I can go well, do this. This is why I was, we were the first year um, mm. to do that in Making Sense of the 60s. And that's why I created the trailer for the next time. Because, mm. oh, I, I made that. Because then they could show it at the start of yeah. the um, course to be like, this is what we do. So that you can actually kind of visualize yeah. it. And because we went into it completely blind. Yeah. Like, my character had nothing. And yeah. so Jennifer and I actually sat together and fleshed it out together because it was like, what do we do? And we kind yeah. of figured it out together so that when you guys did it the next time, that there was actually kind of a bit more to how yeah. the game yeah. A little bit more explanation. And even yeah. then, like I remember for the Pass and Silk Strike, yeah. which is one of the other games, yeah. there was like one reading on it. And I was like, I've done the reading, but I still don't really understand it. And I know we went through it in lecture, but it was still just having that added information of like, what the heck? Like, I've never even heard of this reporter guy before. And all of a sudden I have to play him and write a speech for him. And so just going to Paul and being like, is there any other readings that you can recommend that I read just so I can have a broader knowledge? And it's it's all things like that, whether it's fleshing out a character or understanding a bit more about the event so you can do the assessment better. Like, they're there to help you. They're not there to be intimidating and be like, I'm going to give you a C because you never talked to me. Like, no, it doesn't work like no. that. They just, they want to help. 
Yeah, mm. actually, speaking of that paper, that was the first time I had to write a book review. For oh, right. As well, and I had no idea what to do, so I went. I think I went during one of the uh, mid-semester breaks mm. um, just to see Jennifer. And I think we spent a good half an hour yeah. just talking about it and she just explaining every single aspect of a book review. Yeah. She, she gave me lots of recommendations totally. on what to read. Yeah, and it helped me a lot. But had I not gone, I would have completely got the assignment Absolutely. Wrong. Like, that's one thing that we actually struggled with in postgrad was that for one of our papers, 706, it was a, a European cultural history paper, one of the assignments was you could either choose to do a book review or you could choose to look at prominent historian and kind of look at what are their most influential works. And most people chose the book review. But then he asked, him, Joe, who was teaching the course, asked in class, like, who's actually done a book review? And I think it was only the, the people who'd taken the stage three Waitangi to Tribunal paper, which has a book review, nobody else had done a book review in undergrad because they just don't usually do that because one, you have to read an entire book mm -hmm. or at least read most of a book. And there's just not really room for that in undergrad. Yeah. So most people don't do it. And then we got to postgrad and it's like, what the heck? Like, how do you write yeah. a book review? We had to do the same thing in honours as well. And it was like, so he, um, our lecturer actually sent out an exemplar so that we actually understood what was happening. Yeah. But it was like, um, what are all the, because it's a lot of components. Yeah. So you've got to kind of, figure it out. Totally. So I guess I want to um, move on to two more questions. One of them is going to be about staying focused and I kind of want to look into two sections of that. One of them in undergrad because I know undergrad is so much more structured. You have classes, you're in almost every single day and then to honours which has, I had I think three classes in honours, which meant that I was in for a total of six hours and that was it. You don't have lectures, you just have straight mm -hmm. tutorials, to now in masters, which is absolutely no classes. So I kind of want to look at um, staying focused and how you structure your actual study time between the three different stages so that we can kind of look at what people do and how best to study and, and keep going throughout yeah. the semester. So why don't we start with undergrad because that's kind of the, the, the good place to start. And then you, start you start at the very beginning. Exactly. I also wanted to break out in song just then. <laughs> a very good place to start. So with undergrad, you've got generally four papers. Some people are crazy and take five. I know a lot of people who take three just to have that little bit of extra time. You're definitely a lot more structured. So in terms of productivity or um, staying focused, like do you guys work better from home or at university so you've got the accountability? Or like, yeah, I don't know, what do you guys I do? I work better from uni, always have. And my preference is... I try and, if I have a class, like a later class, so if I had like, um, in first year, first semester, first year, I had a 3 p.m. lecture, and so I would come in at 10, mm. and I would do whatever I had to do that day, so then I would go to, so then I was in doing things and um, being productive until I had that class, and I, it's something I still recommend, my brother goes back to uni this year, and he has a big gap between two classes, and I said, that's your study time. Yeah. You sit, you still have to be at uni, um, so why not do totally. the work? Like I had, or I had a 9 a.m. and then a 4 p.m. Mm. on a day, and that was it, so that was my time. So I think figuring out where it slots in best for me yeah. was my kind of way I stayed productive. Mm. Yeah, I think any place that has a lot of other people studying is yeah. good motivation to focus. Totally. Yeah. I'm so like terrified that people are going to judge me because my laptop's open yeah. and it's like Facebook or YouTube, and they're like, she's studying <laughs> no like um yeah definitely like I, I think I think it's changed for me over the years to be honest but in undergrad I had to be in university to study I just I couldn't focus at home I was actually talking to my friend who's I was talking to her yesterday and she's in her final year of university and she has 
I think she started classes every day, Monday to Friday at 10 p.m. It was just, that's just the way that the course worked. Sorry, 10 a.m. Wow. (laughs) Starting at 10 p.m. would be great. No, yeah, that would suck. (laughs) No, so she started Monday to Friday at 10 a.m. And then she finished at like five or something. And she didn't want to drive home or bus home or whatever and then have to study at nighttime because she knew that she then had to be up at the same time to get to university. So she got to uni at 7 a.m. every day, did all of her assignments, went home and had the afternoon or evening, I guess, by the time you get home after five, to relax. And she said that that was just how she had to do it. She just had to come into uni because it wasn't going to happen at home, get it done before all of her classes, and then she could just go through her classes throughout the day. If she had an hour gap, she'd do a bit more study, like some readings or something, nothing intense, and then come home and do it. And that's just how she had to get through it. So you find what works for you. Like I definitely, in, in my undergrad, I just I couldn't study at home. I always, I just get too distracted, whether it's through watching TV or I'm such a reader. And I'll procrastinate my history readings with like fiction. So I was just like, I just got so distracted if I was at home. So I'd come to uni, bring only what I needed. Like I'm not the kind of person who would read a book on the bus because if I brought the book with me, I was, I was gonna read it at university as well. So I'd literally just bring what I needed come to university and in all of my gaps, I would work really hard and I remember a lot of people saying like, we never see you and like, even in first and second year, I made hardly any friends, so maybe don't do this, but <laughs> I made hardly any friends because I was just so determined that I wanted to get all this out of the way so that when I got home, I could hang out with my friends from school who I'm not seeing anymore and stuff like that. But then, I mean, there's people do it different ways. Like if you are somebody who's really social and you kind of, like I'm an introvert, if you're an extrovert, then you can also um, schedule in seeing friends. Like if you're somebody who is at university from like 7 a.m. till 6 p.m. or whatever, then you obviously have to take a lunch break. You have to take a morning tea break generally if you're me and like eating <laughs> or an, like an afternoon tea break. Schedule those breaks with people mm. and then you can spend the rest of the time working and not having Facebook open because you're trying to keep up with people like you can use that as your social time and then the rest of the time just schedule it in like a lecture I had to do that I had to schedule it in in my calendar saying for this hour I have to do this assignment you you don't forget it or anything like that Mm. Yeah, I actually have an app on my phone called Forest. I was totally about to talk about that it's the best (laughs) best. especially when you're getting into the uni mindset oh my gosh yeah yeah, I use it a lot. So if you don't know what the Forest app is, um, I think it only costs like $2 or something. Yeah. But basically you have this, well, it starts off as this empty land, but then you can set the timer for like 40 minutes or an hour, or I think the max is two hours. I think the minimum is 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And th- throughout that whole time, as soon as you press start, if you exit out of the app or if you open up any other app while your tree is growing, it kills your tree. Which if you're somebody who's like real sad... Um, like me, I'm like, I don't want to kill my tree. Like, I just want to work. So it essentially forces you to work. And it's really cool. You get to make a forest throughout it. Like, I'm totally just that kind of person. It's like, yay. <laughs> and if you successfully grow your tree, you get coins. Yeah, and, and then you, you can get, get different kinds. Yeah, I found one that was like a tree house and I was so happy. But you only get the tree house if you work for two hours. Yeah. So I like set it for two hours and I'm like, I'm going to do this just to get that tree I house. that cherry blossom tree. Yeah, it's yeah. so pretty. Yeah. I think like, I guess that's another thing to talk on is how do you guys study in terms of length? Are you someone who's like half an hour and then have to go for a walk? Or are you, I don't know, like what's your time frame for studying? I'm trying to think. In undergrad, I was uh, study for a couple of hours somewhere and then get up and go to a new space. Yeah. So I would do like two hours in the library and then 
go to HSB. Yeah. Because a change of space was good for me. Yeah. Even though I was still working on the same thing, I was kind of in a new place. It also gets you a chance to walk and move and kind of get yeah. your blood pumping again. Yeah, those that was kind of my sort of thing. I wasn't yeah. a big, like, sticking to a time frame. I'm still not very good at it. Um, I, I didn't just kind of write until I'm yeah. ready to move or whatever. Mm. I do increments of... 30 minutes, yep. so half an hour, and then I take 10 minute break, yeah. and another half an hour, take a break. Mm. Yeah, I can't sit still for yeah. like an hour or two hours. I was definitely like that in undergrad. I used to write all my essays by like, I'd just write one paragraph, and then I'd have to get up and move and write one paragraph and ha- get up and move. But I'm finding now in, in honours, I just found that I got too distracted because I just felt like I had such a big to-do list that I'd write a paragraph and then panic about everything that I have to do, and so I'd go and sit and watch YouTube for like two hours and so what I found worked best for me is that if I have a two hour time frame where I just work as hard as I can for two hours keep pushing through write as much as I can and whether I write one paragraph that's really good or like four or five paragraphs that are really bad but at least it's a par- it's like it's a draft mm-hmm. and then I get up and have like a half hour break whether that's taking my dog for a walk or going for a run or going to the gym or whatever I just I had to sit down and do it in two hours because I knew that if I did it in half hour breaks that I would get distracted and then I'd waste like an hour when I've only done half hour work. I'm not disciplined enough to have the the breaks shorter, whereas I know that I'm disciplined enough to work. It sounds so ridiculous, <laughs> but I don't know why it works that way. I just, and so people say like don't go on YouTube. I go on my emails and answer emails for like an hour. So no matter what I do, I know that if I'm on a break, I'm gonna get stuck doing something else. So if I can work for two hours straight and then have a bit of a longer break, yeah. then that I know that that works for yeah. me. Um, I was just thinking something that really helped me to focus in undergrad, particularly with history, um, and if I was unfocused was going through and writing out the topic sentences for each of my paragraphs. So even if I was really struggling that day and I couldn't, I couldn't get my mind around something, if I went through and went, okay, so I know that I have to hit this, 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 this Mm. and this, and obviously topic sentences are really important in history. So I would write each of my topic sentences and I was like, at least I know the like pathway that I need to take yeah. and then I'll figure it out from there. So that's something I think for undergrad for history in particular really important, figuring out your topic sentences. Yeah, absolutely. Or like figuring out what quotes you want to draw from, even if you're not going to use those quotes specifically, but figuring out what each paragraph is about and writing an essay plan completely changed the way I studied and everything. Mm-hmm. I actually thought essays, especially for history, when I study like for it for an exam, if you're in stage one, yeah. for some stage two papers, I'll study in increments. But sometimes when I do assignments, I sort of get into a role and I can yeah. sit there for like four hours. Totally. So the point of what I'm saying is sometimes you need to know like when to stop Yeah. at times as well. Absolutely. Yeah. This podcast that I keep talking about is The Health Code by um, Sarah's Day and Kurt Tills. Anyway, they're um, these Australian YouTubers who do a podcast basically on productivity and health and wellness and everything. Anyway, they were talking about um, in one of their podcasts the best way to be productive while writing an essay. And what he came up with was if you are giving yourself a time frame, so if you're someone who's working through like half hour limits or something like that, if you finish and make sure that you finish your half hour in the middle of a paragraph, then when you come back, you know exactly where you're going to get back on track with. Whereas I found if I wrote a paragraph, stopped, went away, came back, I was like, oh my gosh, how do I start the next paragraph? I've forgotten how to write. If you finish in the middle of a paragraph, you come back and you remember where you were so you can instantly start writing. See, I can't do that. Really? No, I, have oh. to, I can't take a break until I've finished what I've written because yeah. I will lose the inspiration otherwise. 
Yeah. Fair enough. I guess it works with everyone. Like, everyone's so different. But I just found that I'd come back. I've forgotten how to write. I don't know how to start. What's a topic center? <laughs> like, did, did you do that during honours as well? Yeah, I did. I had to. Like, But then even saying that, like, I feel like my whole study habits changed as soon as I went into postgrad. And mm-hmm. the fact that I had six hours of class, I was like, you don't have the accountability. Like, you have the reading and everything, but it's not like you have an hour between lectures where you can just fit in a little bit of time. Like, you literally, I came in for one lecture and went home, or I'd come in for the whole day to study. But there was no breaks, there was no anything. So I found, yeah, like finding, like using the Forest app and, and just doing two hours at a time and then going for a lunch break with someone and breaking it up like that. And a lot of self-discipline, I think, was the hardest thing that I had to learn because I am someone who's so structured. And if I don't have structure, I literally get nothing done. Mm-hmm. And so I remember um, talking with a whole bunch of people when they were doing their dissertation and hearing how everyone structured their dissertation differently. Like there was one person in our class I think met with their supervisor like three times throughout the whole year because she just wants to smash out a whole bunch of stuff and hand it to the lecturer, whereas I'm someone who's like, I need to meet with you every two or three weeks. Sorry if that's annoying, but it's just what I have to do. Is I Even if I've got like a page of stuff to hand to you, I have to do something. Yeah. Otherwise, if I don't have that deadline, I'm actually just not going to do it, and I know that about myself. Yeah. So I'd have to structure everything in deadlines. Like I'll, In this podcast, there's going to be a, a related blog post on, on the page, so definitely go check it out. But um, I'll put up a picture of there of what my weekly schedule looks like. And it's intense. And to some people, it terrifies them having from like, because I get up at 4.30 a.m. Thank you, husband. Because he starts work at 5.30. I just get up at around between 4.30 and 5.30 and I'll go to bed at like 8 or 9. It's manic. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So generally between 6 to 6, my whole schedule is completely blocked out with from this hour I'm going to do this, from this hour I'm going to do this. And even if I don't get it done, it gives me that structure of I I at least have to do something. Whereas if I look at at the calendar and it's completely blank, I'm like, I'll watch a bit of Friends or I'll watch a bit of this and then I'll start my day. And then I realize, but like before I know it, it's midday and I haven't got anything done. So that's one thing that I learned. I'm such a structured person. I have to have it calendared out hour by hour. It freaks some people out, but for me, it it just works. Yeah, honours was what I did. I actually had someone, my supervisor had someone email me who's starting honours this year and has a similar job as me and was unsure about kind of structuring their time and one of the tips I gave them was to give yourself one day that you don't have work and you don't have uni that is just for you to get uni stuff done so I would give myself Friday was my day that I just got everything done I went through all my readings I went through anything I had any films I had to watch anything I had to do that was my day I would come into uni and I would do nine to five or whatever I would do and that was my because I only had class, I had a class on a Monday and a Tuesday. That was it. That was That's it. all I had, Monday, Tuesday. Long weekend. Well, and then the, the semester, that was the semester. The first semester I had Monday, Friday. Mm. So it was just like figuring out, because otherwise I like coming into uni and working. That's yeah. my preference. So otherwise I would nap all day. Um, that's my go-to is napping. So it's kind of just like, I don't know if you want me to talk about masters a little bit. Or... Yeah, no, totally. So I really struggled with masters, and Michaela can account to this because this is kind of when we became friends. Is the lack of structure was really yeah. hard on me because I am a a a social person, so going into classes and seeing my friends and talking about what had happened, mm. you know, or how we found the reading was like something I enjoyed, and also not having the structure of being like I have two hours to go to this class and then I have a break, and so I really struggled with that, and so. I kind of, for the first two months of Masters, really didn't know what I was doing and having was quite 
str really struggling with that. And so I started setting myself goals and being mm. like, so I'm going to do the first half of my day. I'm going to read all this research. The second half of my day, I'm going to write. And also scheduling mm. in when I was going to see friends. Yeah. Like Michaela mm. said, it's really important. So I would be like, okay, Michaela, let's have lunch yeah. at this time. And so we would. When I had my uh, game planning for like when I had my meeting with my supervisor. So kind of doing that. And still now in this last month, I set myself a full game plan so every day I had something I have something scheduled every day yeah. I have um, and I can tick it off every day which is yes. really satisfying um, and I can be like okay and like at the moment I work in an after-school care program and I'm only doing the days that I know I don't have as much on yeah so I can look at my schedule for the week and be like okay boss I can do Monday Tuesday Wednesday because I know those are smaller amounts of work I have to do so it's okay for me to come in the afternoon yeah and so it's just figuring out but also don't be afraid to say no yeah. to hanging out with friends because sometimes you know, like we have a master's group that meets every um, fortnightly and often after that they want to go get lunch or hang out or that sort of thing and um, most of the time I go but sometimes I'm like actually I have quite a bit of work to do that day yeah. and so I have to get off the, they get off the elevator and I keep going up to my office because I just feel better and I know I'll feel better about myself if I'm productive. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And yeah, you totally have to figure out what works for you. I guess with the whole study group thing that you were talking about, that really inspired me having like two to three weeks meeting up with the group of people who are going through the exact same thing that you're going through and being a bit social, but then also talking about your work and having that accountability of like, hey, I need to like, can you can you talk about your study that you did? Like you were able to test it on your cohort before you went out yeah. and did it. So, um, because I did um, interviews with Audrey and Marilyn fans and enthusiasts and admirers, I, the week before I actually went into starting these interviews, I took my questions to my, our master's group and we kind of tested the questions mm. so they could give me, be like, oh, this question doesn't come across right or maybe you should group these questions together yeah. so you can kind of get more out of it and that was really helpful. But our overall master's group, I think it's important and masters is a very lonely thing, so having mm. that group, and I know that you guys are going to try and kind of do something similar yeah. this year, because we like we have a group chat that's on Facebook where we can just be like, hey, I'm really struggling with a conclusion today. Anyone have any tips? Yeah. Or can someone just read over this really quickly because I don't think it makes sense? Or I cannot for the life of me think of a word that actually means us. Anyone have yeah. any ideas? Or even just... I don't want to do anything today. Like, just like... <laughs> anyone want to go get pizza? Yeah, like literally. Yeah. Anyone want to go bowling? Like, oh, like all these different... Like, just kind of like... Just to support... So, as a support people, group. Yeah. And I, like, I write that in my acknowledgements. Like, thank you for supporting because they, we're all going through the same thing. Yeah. So to have people be like, yeah, I get it. Like, we had a whole lament yesterday about long article titles and how they ruin your bibliography because they take yeah. so many words and like that was just a conversation that we had because we all get it and yeah. so it's nice to have that cohort of people that are like you know if you're having a rough day that they're all probably having a rough day yeah and yeah so I really I think kind of finding your group is really important for postgrad yeah because otherwise you're going to feel very lonely and kind of figure it not you know falter and yeah figure out your life yeah, I guess also like I'm somebody who overcommits myself to everything because I'm such a people pleaser. I hate saying no, no to people. I hate disappointing people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm somebody who say yes to everything. And then, so I did this at the end of, of my honours. We had four terms like everyone has and the breaks in between, but we had to work throughout the whole time. And I was just saying yes to more and more and more things. And I got to 
the break between the final two semesters, which we didn't have exams. So everything was essays. So this was kind of our big crucial time where we had to write these final essays that were worth like 50% of the course. Mm -hmm. And I crashed. I didn't do anything for like those two weeks because I just completely overcommitted myself that I'd left myself almost no time to do all the stuff that I needed to do. And I panicked. And because I panicked, I didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up talking to um, one of my supervisors for this year. And I was like, look, this is what normally happens to me. Like, do you have any advice for this? And she said, if you're a visual person, write down a list of everything that's your priority for this year, uni and not uni. So if you're working throughout, write that down as a priority because you, you have to make money. If you have friends and family that's really close to you and you want to make that a priority in your life, write that down. Write down your university work. Write down if you want to go to the gym. Like, write down what specifically prioritizes to you so that when someone comes to you and says, hey, do you have time to do this job for me? You have to look at your list and say, if I say yes to this, then something on my list has to go. And it helps you kind of be like, well, actually, they want to go bowling, but I don't have time to go bowling because I'll have to knock off one of these things that I have to yeah. do today. And that's something like I've started implementing that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's life changing. I feel like this is something that I wish I had known in first year yeah. of like a really good yeah. advice. Yeah. yeah. Making like ensuring that you know what you're committed to. Yeah. Yes. Because so, you're going to have to sacrifice something. Yeah. And one thing that usually happens to me is I sacrifice my social life for work or for university or anything like that, because I'm like, it's kind of, it sucks, but that becomes the expendable because they'll always be there in the end, whereas your essays have a deadline, everything else has a deadline. And so because I had that kind of structure of if I say yes to this, then I'm not going to be able to see my friends this week. I was able to say no because when it comes down to it, somebody else is going to have to do it and somebody else is having to face the same priority. So it's going to get done whether mm. it's you or not, but you just need to make sure that you're getting done and prioritizing what's most important to you. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, okay. Well, do you guys have any final things that you want to say or words of wisdom or anything? Because otherwise we'll just end on that. No, I, think, I think that's about it. Just look after yourself. Look after yourself. Yeah. Talk to people. Talk to people, <laughs> but also if you're a goal-setting set, achieve, think about the achievability. Goals. Don't be like, I am going to finish this whole essay in one day. It's yeah. not something that you can achieve unless you're very amazing. But... Be, or psycho. <laughs> yeah. Be, think about achievability. Any yeah. part of uni, whether it's undergrad, master's, honours, is all about what can you achieve in a day. Yeah. It's not about, like, I'm going to be incredible and finish this whole totally. essay. Because you might not write the best essay just because you try and do it in a day. Yeah. Like, there was this one YouTube video that I found where she was talking about um, ways to make achievable goals is even though it sounds ridiculous, write down the smallest part of things. So if it's like opening your laptop, opening a Word document, writing a title, writing a sentence, finding a quote, literally making it so small that you're like, this is achievable, rather than seeing, write a whole essay, and you're like, I don't know where to start, I don't know what to do, like, I'm freaking out. If you can write down, it sounds silly, but sometimes that's the best way to get yourself into the grind of it. Yeah. More words of wisdom. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, we'll end there. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a pleasure to have you guys on the podcast. So thank, thank you, you so much us. for joining thank us. And yeah, definitely make sure to go check out the blog post that's relevant to this. It'll kind of just be summarizing things that we've talked about because I understand that this has gone on for a very long time. <laughs> Might end up turning it into two podcasts because, yeah, it's quite long. But definitely, thank you so much for listening. And if you have any questions about anything that we've talked about, make sure to flick us an email. You can either do that on our website or email tahuhukorero at gmail.com. And yeah, thanks so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Bye.